You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Journey Church Tampa. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy it. Perfect segue. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Let's get into Luke chapter 7 because we're going to be talking about two irrefutable truths about our Father. And then we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, suffering. Is everybody ready? Is everybody ready? Suffering, okay? But here's the thing. I want it to be something that is full of joy in in your life, okay? Full of joy. So Luke chapter 7, verse 28 through 35. Thank you for indulging me on that, guys. I just wanted to share my heart with you. I didn't want to have to do a podcast or something else on separate Wanted to take a little bit of time this morning, so I've got about 15 to 20 minutes to get through this, um, and we're going we're gonna to try it. We're going to try it, okay? So Luke chapter 7, 28 through 35, we're picking up where we were at last week, and it says this, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, and this is Jesus speaking, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What, an, what a phenomenal, mind-blowing statement. Verse 29, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. The Pharisees and the experts, what did they do? They rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. And then Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? And they are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." But wisdom is proved right by all of her children. So, Father, we love you. We thank you this morning. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, I just, I can feel it in our church. I can feel it, God, just moving um, in our, our gatherings and across all of the city. I'm very thankful. This season has not been an easy season. But, Father, you are, you have not given up on us. You are not, um, just sitting on the throne, twiddling your thumbs. You were engaged in every bit of this. We are going to come out of this stronger than the way that we came in. We're going to walk out of this refined and resilient, just resilient, resilient disciples. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm going to do just a little bit of a review. We talked about this at the end of our identity series. Um, it's going to be really brief, but I want to kind of build a foundation here, especially if you're new. I want you to be able to respond to this and, and at least see where I'm coming from. But this is the question that I want to ask all of you is, what do you think of when I say the word Father? When I say the word Father, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you think? For some of us, if we're honest, it's a source of great hurt. It's a struggle for us when we think about it. And it's a struggle for two reasons. I mean, obviously, that may be an oversimplification. There are a lot of other reasons, but for two reasons. And one could be that your father has passed away and you miss him deeply. 
and you miss being around him. And the second is, is that you, and you feel that loss of him being gone. And the second is that your father was absent, or maybe he was there but not engaged, which is still absent, a different form of being absent. And you feel that loss for different reasons. Or maybe it's mixed. Maybe you had a father who was engaged and there was some good or some bad. But here's the thing that we, every single last one of us in this room, is that we, all of us, cannot deny the impact that our natural father has had on our relationship with our heavenly father. All of us have had that impact. And so as a pastor, a lot of times, one of the things I realize, especially when people are new to our church, the first couple of years is me just pastoring their past, pastoring them out of their shadows, pastoring them out of their hurts. Has anybody ever been to a restaurant and you get, before you get to the restaurant, you talk to a friend and their friend said, oh, that place is terrible. Don't go there. You already had basic reservations, so you needed to go anyway. You went and you loved the place. But when you got there, you had this kind of tape rolling in the back of your head about how this place is going to be. Or has anyone ever talked to someone on the phone and you heard their voice and then you met them in person and you go, the voice and the face doesn't line up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All of our lives, if we're not careful, is dealing with something that we've come out, that's come out of our past. We bring our past into a lot of our issues, our current issues. We deal with that. And that's part of the reason why at the church we talk a lot about inner healing because we're thankful that Jesus didn't come just to get us to heaven, but he also came so that there can be a sense of inner healing in our life, that we can be set free here on this earth, that, that we respond to that. And the reason why this is incredibly important is because how we relate to our Father and how we see our Father relating to us is the foundation for everything else within our faith. It is the absolute foundational truth for everything. And so here are two irrefutable truths about our Father. Your Father, our Father, my Father. Number one, He is faithful. And write this down if you're taking notes. Even when we are faithless. How many are thankful for that? He is faithful even when we are faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13 says, Here's a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And if we are faithful, uh, faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So this is a beautiful aspect of Jesus' character, the Father's character, God the Father. His character is that he is faithful even when we are faithless. Now, let me share something with you. The reason why that should bring you hope and the reason why that should be a foundational tenet of your faith is if you go this entire week, and I'm not suggesting this by no means, but you go this entire week without following, serving, loving, praying, doing any of those things, guess what? God is still there at the end of the week ready to sit with you. He's still faithful even when we're faithless. And we have to work out some of that in our theology because we think that it's up to us a lot of times when really it's up to him. And this is the second thing that's important is he is faithful, his faithful to, to us, his faithfulness to us is a gift. Romans 4, 4 through 5 in the message says it like this. If you're a hard worker and you do a good job, you deserve your pay. How many enjoy your paycheck at the end of the week? Okay, just a few of you. If you don't enjoy your paycheck at the end of the week, I'll enjoy it for you. Okay, so if you're a hard worker and you do a good job, you deserve your pay. And we don't call your wages a gift. Now, could you imagine with me that your boss, you get done just tearing it up all week long, working as hard as you can, and then your boss comes to you, hands you your check, and says, here's your gift. 
okay? <laughs> you look at your boss and go, no, that's not how that works, but this is a transactional thing here, okay? I worked hard for you. Now, imagine if your boss walked up to you and gave you an extra amount of money. Now, that's a gift, okay? So a lot of times what we do when it comes to this, when we read the scripture, it says, but if you see that a good job or that a job is too big for you, that it's something only God can do, and you trust him to do it, you could never do it for yourself no matter how hard and long you worked. Well, that trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God by God. It's a sheer gift. Okay, so we're in the faithful series, and in order to really understand what we mean by faithfulness, we have to understand that the reason why we are faithful is because our Father is first faithful to us. And when we are trying our hardest to be faithful, what we understand is that it is the Spirit of God, His grace over us. It is the Spirit of God. It is a gift that allows us to be faithful in return. It is his love for us that engages, engages us. And so time and again in scriptures, you see Jesus have this boldness and confidence when he's dealing with these religious leaders, as you see here in this story, as we talked about in the story that we preached before this and the story before that. So many times do you see this, this uh, combativeness that these men had with Jesus, but in the midst of that, what do you see him coming back with? He comes back with boldness and confidence, and it is, this is the reason why. It is because he knew that he could trust his father. He could trust the one that sent him. And why is this important? Is because if we really don't understand his faithfulness to us, we will not be faithful in giving our lives away for others. So if we trust that our God is faithful to us, then we can give our life away in our own faithfulness. We can trust that. J.I. Packer says it like this, a great theologian, a great pastor who passed away a couple of days ago. He said, there is no peace like the peace of those whose mind are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them and that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in this life through death and on forever that he's faithful to us, that he ministers to us. And so the first reason why we don't give our lives away in a sense of faithfulness is, and we have to be honest about it, is because it hurts. It hurts to deny ourselves and to give ourselves away. It hurts. It is sacrificial in order to do that. Coming to church is easy. Joining a live stream is easy. But surrendering our lives and giving up something of our own and giving up and denying ourselves, that's hard. And so let me ask you a question. How would you handle, if you were Jesus, how would you handle someone gossiping behind your back, undermining your choices, that was being a constant contrarian in your life over and over and over again, and downright lying about your character? Because here's where Jesus is at. Jesus is essentially being called a glutton. He's being called a tax collector. He's being called a sinner. And how does Jesus engage with that? I don't know about you, but most of us don't engage with this stuff. And I, I could agree with you. I don't necessarily engage with this all the time the way Jesus does. But Jesus in this story just kind of shrugs it off. He just kind of goes, okay, it's no real big deal. Because here's the thing. That's what they're saying. And they said this about John. It doesn't matter. Let me talk to you about what my father has to say about you. Let me say what my Father has to say about you. Luke chapter 6, verse 22 through 33 says this Count yourself blessed every time someone cuts you down or throws you out. 
every time someone smears or blackens your name to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and that the person is uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Skip like a lamb. I didn't know that lambs skip. But he says, skip like a lamb. Um, anybody heard about goat yoga? Why are you guys, you guys are like all excited about it. You're like, yeah, I've, like goat yoga. I've never, I, I watched the video the other day because I had never really seen it. And these goats are running all over the place. And that's kind of why I imagine is like skipping like a lamb. He goes, skip like a lamb if you like. He said, for even though they, do, they don't like it, I do. I do, and all a heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. My preachers and witnesses have always been treated like this. Now, we, we, we have an understanding uh, typically that pastors and leaders that are, are going to teach from the pulpit, but he says witnesses here, which all of us, as we talked last week, are witnesses of the kingdom of God, okay? So he's saying, listen, be glad when this happens. Skip like a lamb. Do goat yoga, whatever it is. Enjoy yourself. Okay, engage in this stuff because you are in good company. Okay, so here's the thing that I want you to see. Most of us spend our lives trying to get out of tension, and Jesus is always trying to lead us into tension. He's saying, listen, if you have, been, if you have had a family unfollow you because of something you stood for, you're in good company. If you've had friends mock you, you're in good company. If you've had people look at you and go, why are you going to church? You are in good company. You're in a company of host of people. And this is why the gathering, whether it digitally or live, is so important because we are in the company of hosts. We are with holy people. There's something about raising our hands and worshiping together and being able to say, you know what? I've had a heck of a week, but I'm glad that I came in here and I can celebrate with people that I've had a heck of a week too. And we can honor a God who is big and good and moves in our lives. And so Jesus, are you ready for this? Jesus wounds those whom he loves and he uses those he wounds. It is grace. Okay? So here's the thing. I'm very thankful that Jesus is like this. Okay? Brennan Manning says it like this, that the unwounded life bears no resemblance to the rabbi. He's talking about Jesus. I love that. So are we followers of the rabbi? Are we followers of the way, the teacher, of G, the, the teaching Jesus? Okay, the, the second thing is I want you to see is this is Henry Newman, and he wrote this in the book called Wounded Healer. He said, the great illusion of leadership is to think that man can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. And then he goes on to say, Jesus was a revolutionary who did not become an extremist since he did not offer an ideology, but he offered himself. So what you see is Jesus drawing men and women into him through his life. And so this, this is the reason why that most of us are not faithful to the call of God that he's placed over our lives because we're not willing to go from here to here. And the way we go from here to here is to deny ourselves and give everything over to him. Father, take it all, every last bit of it. The second reason we don't give our lives away and why we're not faithful to the things that God has called us to is that we're trying to protect ourselves from suffering 
or from what is uncomfortable. What is your routine when you get home uh, from work? What is most of your guys' routine? It's to go upstairs and to get out of your clothes and to do what? Get into pajamas or sweatpants or whatever it is. And I'm able to agree with me. We love comfortability, and there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus is always calling us forward to move into Luke chapter 6, 24 through 25, a little, or Luke 6 a little further. In verse 24, 25, it says this, But it's trouble ahead if you think you have made it. Okay, now this is Jesus warning them, and he's basically doing the Sermon on the Mount. What you, what you have is all you'll ever get, okay? And it's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will never satisfy you for very long. And it's trouble ahead if you think life is all fun and games. There's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. Thanks, Jesus. Okay, so I want you to see something here. This is Jesus' inaugural address. This is him essentially launching his kingdom. He gathers everybody around, Sermon on the Mount, and what does he do? Hey, guys, guess what? Suffering's going to find you. Okay? That's not the kind of political speech that you would engage with. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, this is not a guy that I want to get excited about. But here's what we miss when we don't let Jesus have his way in our life, okay? And I'm going to bring this down for just a second. So we've heard about the anointing oil, all right? We've talked a lot about the anointing oil as a church, but we've never really went too deep into it. There's different ingredients, and I don't have the time to get into all of them. But there are two specific ingredients of the anointing oil that I want to talk to you about. And the anointing oil, in, in, even in our, our current church history, the sacrament of getting the elders together and praying over those who are sick, the Bible says anoint those that are sick. You find that in the Old Testament, the anointing of the priest, when we anoint a new elder or a new leader, we, we believe that there's something specific about that. The, the Bible was very clear on how the anointing oil was supposed to be mixed because every single thing, and if you go back in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus, there was a reason for everything within the house of God. There was not just a, a, a motivation of just let's get together and do whatever. As a matter of fact, when they would have services in the temple, they would practice the service from the very beginning to the very end. And it would be, if, let's just say that it was an hour and a half long service. If at one hour and 29 minutes they messed up, they would go back to the very beginning and practice the whole thing again to make sure that it was perfect. Why? Because they realized they weren't doing the service for themselves. Who were they doing it for? They were doing it for the king that he was the audience. They believed that the Spirit of God was going to visit them. So the anointing oil, it would be no different for us to understand that the anointing oil had significance to it. As we've been sent out into this world, as Pastor Corey and the worship team prayed and worshiped over us and we worshiped together, what did he say? God, anoint us. God, speak over us. When we come into the house of God, it's like getting filled with the anointing of God, or working over our lives, that we really receive that. Well, there's a couple of plant, uh, parts of the plants that I want to talk to you about, and the first one is the reed called calamus. And this ingredient literally means branch or reed, Okay. And for those of you that study Scripture, you'll realize there's a lot of branch and reed references throughout Scripture. And here's the thing. This was a tall reed-like grass with hollow stems, okay? And what you see with this is that it was a very sweet-smelling plant, which is able to grow in harsh, difficult environments. 
So one of the things that we ask for from the Holy Spirit is, Lord, make us like the Calamus, that in these harsh seasons and environment that we're in, that we don't become more nasty, that we don't become more bitter, that we don't become more hateful, but, Father, that we become more peaceful, we become more pliable, we become more anointed, we become more graceful, we become more kind than when we came in. And so Matthew 12 and 20, Jesus, this is speaking over Jesus, says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he's brought justice through victory. Okay, now hang in there with me. And so here's what I want you to see. When they would gather these types of reeds together and they would start to tie these reeds together, if the reed was too slippery, they would hit on it and they would bruise it so the rope would fasten to it more easily. So they would start to hit this reed really, really hard. They would hammer it. And what would happen is the sliminess, the slickness of this reed would start to fall off. And the more that it was bruised, the more that it was hit upon, the more useful it would be in holding the boat together. So they would take these reeds and they would put it together and it would begin. And here's what I want you to see is that the pillars in the body of Christ, the pillars in our church, in the church across the street, in any kingdom-minded church, the pillars in the body of Christ, any church that you go to, are the ones who have been bruised the most and the ones that have developed the most tender hearts that they can give life and encouragement to the rest of us who go through trials ourselves. So when you you say, man, pastor, this pandemic has bruised me. Guess what? You're more like Jesus. Some of you, he needed to to knock that sliminess off of you. He needed to knock that slickness off of you. Why? Because he he wants you to become more like him. Here's the thing. You'll never be faithful to the things God's called you to until you give up your own plans and your own desires and you turn them over to him. The second is olive oil. And how many love olive oil? I love to cook. My favorite is olive oil. I love grapeseed oil. They have different smoke heats, but olive oil is typically the one that it's just got such a phenomenal taste to it. But what is significant about the olive oil is that the way you obtain the oil is by crushing and and pressing the olive and squeezing the inside out of it. So its insides come out. I don't know about you, but anybody felt like that during this pandemic? Like I just, got a, I just went on Facebook and just threw up on everybody. Like everything on the inside just came out. Like just I've been pressed here. Your marriage has been pressed. Your relationship has pre- have been pressed. Your purity has been pressed. Your finances have been pressed. But here's what I want you to see. And I didn't realize this until I actually studied this week. He said that the Garden of Gethsemane was in an olive press. I had no idea. Jesus decided to pray in a place of pressing. And it's no small significance that this place was there because it's also the place where he said, God, if you can, remove this cup. But before being arrested and sentenced to the cross, here's what I want you to see. The word olive literally means broken and contrite. So the next time you're cooking and you put olive oil in there, be like, Lord, just, just a simple prayer. Lord, help me to be broken and contrite. Don't let this food be broken and contrite. But Lord, let me be broken and contrite. So here's what I want you to see. And I love this quote is that the church is not an, a select circle of the immaculate. I'm really thankful for that. But a home where the outcasts may come in. It is not a palace with gate attendants and challenging sentinels along the entranceways, holding off at arm's length the stranger, 
but rather a hospital where the brokenhearted may be healed and where all the weary and trouble may find rest and take counsel together. That's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Worship team, come and help me this morning. Elizabeth Elliot said this, we want to avoid suffering, death, sin, ashes. But we live in a world crushed, broken, and torn, a world God himself visited to redeem. We receive his poured out life and being allowed the high privilege of suffering with him. May then we pour ourselves out for others. May we pour ourselves out for others. There are four things that happen when we are faithful to give our lives away. Are you ready for them? Number one, our Father gives us more than we could have ever expected. Now, that's how that ties in. Who's faithful? Our Father, right? So when we give our time, what does the Lord do? He pours out his time back into us. When we take care, and, and, and I've, I've said this many times with my, my family, um, as I, I spent a lot of time with uh, guys like Pastor Dan and Kyle and different men when they were, were younger, I got to spend a ton of time with these men and just work with them and engage with them. And as I've gotten older, these men have now turned and poured their life into my family. And that's how God's economy works, is there is a constant sense of God's grace working out. And so our Father gives us more than we could ever expect. Number two, our time is increased and our paths are illuminated with peace. So when we give ourselves our time is increased and our paths are illuminated with peace. We think if we hold back, if we, if we don't give, that we're going we're gonna to receive. Or if we, if we don't attend, or if we don't have a hard conversation, or if we don't pour our lives out, that there's not going to be an increase. But how many are thankful that God increases us and he moves and ministers? Number three, Jesus becomes our friend. He becomes our friend and the world becomes our mission. You can't have it one or the other. And I've had people tell me all the time, man, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. But here's the thing. If you love the Lord, you will love people. It is impossible to be able to do one or the other. It is impossible. You can love God and then you love people. And then the fourth thing is we smell like him. We smell like him. How many want to smell like him? We smell like him. When I was younger, um, I'd go mow the yard, and I'd come in, and I'd, I'd like, grab the kids all sweaty, the girls especially, because the, the boys didn't really care, but the girls, I'd grab them. And Addison would look at me, and she'd go, you smelly, Dad. You smelly. I want to be smelly like him. I want the anointing of God. I don't want people to be turned off because of my life, the way that I carry myself, the way that I talk. I want the Holy Spirit to rest upon our church and our church be a fragrance within this city that we can see people come and engage with. And guess what happens? We attract friends that like that smell. They smell like the people of God because the anointing of God is on them. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. We're going we're gonna to pray. We are so glad that you were able to listen in to the Sermon Audio Podcast. 
For more information about our church and all that is happening, visit journeychurchtampa.com 